Sleepy Town. I'm Beau Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House. Art House Radio, coming to you from 88.5 WCUG in beautiful downtown Columbus, Georgia. Also heard on Alm Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Today's show is Big Stories. Big Stories is an exhibition at the Bo Bartlett Center in Columbus, and it's a show of narrative, large-scale narrative, figurative painting. We have some guests with us today. We have a handful of the artists that are in the show with us. We have Noah Buchanan, we have Patricia Watwood, we have Michelle Dahl, and we have Carl Dobsky. Gonna be our guests on Our House this morning. The show consists of uh, large paintings by a whole group of artists from Stephen Assale, Margaret Bolin, Noah Buchanan, Aaliyah Shapin, Alfred Conte, Vincent Desiderio, Carl Dobsky, Michelle Dahl, Najee Dorsey, Paul Finiak, Zoe Frank, Andrea Couch, Adam Miller, Odd Nerdrum, Amy Sherald, Tim Short, and Patricia Watwood. We have a word of the day today. The word of the day today is narrative. Narrative. A spoken or written account of connected events. A story. We have two quotes of the day. Quotes of the day having to do with narrative today. First is by Jean-Luc Godard, the French filmmaker. Sometimes reality is just too complex, but stories give it form. The next is by Mark Turner, jazz musician. Narrative imaging, story, is the fundamental instrument of thought. Narrative imaging, story, is the fundamental instrument of thought. Mark Turner. Well, let's start right in. Let's have a conversation, you guys. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good morning. Good morning. morning. So glad you're with us this morning on The Art House. It's going to be a treat having this conversation with the artists who are in the exhibition. Noah, I'm going to start with you, Noah Buchanan. Where you're from, California? Where are you from? Santa Cruz, California. So glad you're here in tiny little old Columbus, Georgia. It's amazing to be here, and I just want to say real quick, I've listened to Art House Radio since the beginning. Um, as a painter, um, the show has been a constant companion in the studio, at least once a week or more, uh, while I'm painting, just keeping the show on, and uh, it's it's a wonderful companion in the studio. Um, I can't believe I'm here um, as part of one of the actual episodes. Thank, thanks, Noah. We're so glad you're here, too. Thank you. So um, I'm a co-curator of the show with, uh, with Noah and with Carl Dobsky, who's also here. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the uh, origins of the show, of Big Stories? How, how did it come about, and uh, how did we get to this place? Yeah, it came about um, from conversations that Carl Dobsky and I had together. Uh, I reached out to Carl just to, um, you know, to say that I think I just, I felt frustrated that making um, big paintings with a narrative content focusing on the figure um, were difficult to to show and to um, to get attention. And uh, we started to talk about the, the possibility of, of curating a show, uh, lots of artists together from around the country, um, artists that we admired, that we looked at, that, w- that inspired us. Um, who make this kind of work. And so the work about large scale narrative works focusing on the figure uh, are, are basically at the, the heart of these kind of paintings. 
but but all the different possible interpretations of that um, that that each artist has, and whether the narrative is is very overt uh, and obvious, or whether the narrative is uh, more poetically or or subconsciously embedded in the in the painting. Um, you know, there's a whole variety, there's a whole spectrum there uh, of of the way that that can go. I mean, for me, it was more like I was, it's like a dream show for me. It's having a dream team or something. I just wanted to show how it would be amazing just to be a part of something like that. And so I guess that was my selfish motivation for wanting to do it is like to be able to just be in a show like that would um, be incredible. And then, yeah, it's a, it's a culmination of what I really had envisioned for the center when we, when we first opened it is like the idea of like a biennial kind of thing where you could have a, a show of this type of work every few years would be a, a amazing thing, you know, give some people something to work toward and because there aren't a lot of venues where you can show this kind of work especially large scale you know i mean some commercial galleries are showing it but for the most part i mean i guess we're all in a version of a gallery but you know um it's it's hard to find venues that are willing to to do this uh with this kind of work yeah it really has kind of a, a museum quality feel to the yep. to the show mm -hmm. it's spectacular you know um yeah. versus like a commercial gallery where it's all one person work or whatever it's like yeah. really nice to see that kind of um mixture of people and whatever yeah and uh patricia i wanted to introduce you to the to the audience here patricia watwood uh tell us where you're from and um and about your involvement in the show so glad to be here uh i am from brooklyn and i got connected with this show through noah um and carl pretty early on i went to school with both of them, um, not always at the same time, but um, New York Academy of Art and, and Water Street Atelier with, with uh, Carl. And we've always been in contact because um, all of us have pretty early on locked on to this idea of doing larger multi-figure work at a time when we didn't have many other people doing it so we kind of i think leaned on each other's work and and um, looked carefully at at how people were doing it what were they doing even just process and how are you working with that model so um so i've known these guys for a long time and i was just thrilled to be able to participate in this show um, you know, from New York Academy, professors, uh, you know, my professors there, like Stephen Assail and Vincent Desiderio, have been, you know, longtime heroes of mine. And I've always looked at, at your work, Bo, in terms of, um, as a model for, for composition, for subject matter, for just content in terms of, not even just it being figurative, but there's this, um, this higher, this sense of it being of this world, but also this like um, this other world, this higher world, this concept of like world building, where each individual artist is not just showing like the represent the rep not just representing the world, but but showing us their own version of that world, and so. Um, to be in a space where, and the installation is really beautiful, like the large work and there's a lot of space around it. There's north light, you know, our natural light in the gallery. So this work is really being presented in the most beautiful setting. Um, and it's, uh, it's really inspiring. As I also love how it's very, you know, you'd think the paintings might be more similar, but in fact, I find them incredibly diverse <laughs> with, style, subject matter, 
um, content in terms of intention of the artist. It's really yeah. quite impressive how uh, how broad the array is. So to see the work that is, um, I think we came up feeling like it wasn't important or it was going to be hard to show be to to be seen this way and then presented in such an impressive setting with such a great group of people. It's it's a pretty big milestone for me. Yeah. Me yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks. Michelle, tell, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and, uh, and your involvement with the show. I'm originally from Ohio. I'm living in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, I went to the New York Academy of Art, um, moved to New York to go to the Academy, and I met uh, Noah through, through there. And um, I mean, Noah invited me to the show, uh, gosh, it's what, three years ago, maybe? I, I, it was, uh, I mean, I don't even think I knew who was in the show at that, that point, but it was a definite, like, loud, resounding yes. <laughs> it's, it was such a great idea for a show and so honored to be a part of that. Um, and then he revealed who else was going to be in the show, and I was, yeah definitely definitely on board for that and uh, I mean I to add on to anything that Patty's I mean Patty nailed it um, as far as like um, I it was it's so amazing to look through the narratives of all the artists in the show and it was so moving how everyone represents um, their own world building uh, portrayals of what they're interested in and how they're moved and how they see the world and it's just it was it's really I mean it's a, it's I got chills it's a special show um, and I'm I feel so so incredibly honored to be in it yeah, thank you yeah. thanks thank, thanks Michelle Michelle Dahl and um, we're here uh, on the Art House Art House Radio with Michelle Dahl and Patricia Watwood Noel Buchanan and Carl Dobsky and I'm Bo Bartlett um, thanks for, for tuning in. I think it's a good time for a little music break. Let's take a music break. I'd like to hear a little Turpentine by Brandy Carlisle. Get us in the painting mood. And, uh, and then we'll come back on the other side of that. WCUG and 96.3 Alm Radio 
in Charleston, South Carolina. Our show today is Big Stories. We're talking about the Big Stories exhibition at the Bo Bartlett Center in Columbus. The paintings of Big Stories are large, figurative, narrative paintings. They're not morality tales. They're not dogmatic history paintings. They're not old-fashioned preaching fables. The paintings of Big Stories are manifestations of the contemporary artist striving to find stories that connect to the larger world, where personal stories become universal and their inner world finds a connection to the outer world. By going deep into their own lives and presenting their own personal narrative, they are connecting through universal stories to the world at large. For the days, weeks, months, and years that these artists in this exhibition spent resolving the complex personal and public puzzles that they've created for themselves, they're a testament to the fact that the full-throttled zeitgeist is alive and well in today's creative sphere. We needn't be cynical about the state of the current national politics or geopolitical upheaval or even the perceived sad maudlin state of satire, cronyism, and commodification in the art world. Big stories is a sign of hope. Artists are finding a way into the meanings of their lives and a way out of the perceived turmoil of this world through their own highly personal creative practices within a rich and storied tradition. We are lucky, lucky to be a part of it. Lucky to be able to present just a small droplet from the vast ocean of great work that is currently being produced in private studios all around the world. Joseph Campbell said, the artists are the prophets. If this is true, it might serve us well to pay heed to the stories that these artists have to tell. They are out of this world. Nora, I'm going to start with you. Um, would you tell us a little bit about your painting and the exhibition? Yeah, I, I started working on this painting a couple of years back knowing that this show was coming and that uh, and that we were curating the show and I wanted something that you know would, would represent uh, my own work to the best of my abilities. So I wanted something that, that um, you know, was really straightforward about what the show uh, was meant to be, you know, large narrative multi-figure. So my painting is, it's uh, it's nine feet tall, it's it's a narrative um, and many figures in it. So the, it's, it's, uh, the painting's called Jacob's Ladder and it's directly from uh, a biblical narrative of Jacob's Ladder from the Old Testament. Um, but I've always I've always been drawn to paintings where um, you know to put it simply sort of uh, uh, the sky opens up in some way and and God comes down in some form uh, and you know these are paintings of um, from um, Judeo Christian narratives but also from Greco Roman mythology so I you know I, I really um, am passionate about both traditions this happens to be a Judeo Christian narrative. Um, but I, uh, I've always loved the story of Jacob's Ladder, especially it's something I've, I've thought about and painted in a couple of different ways over the years, over my career, several different times. Um, this one's a much more narrative version of, of the story where um, we see the angels descending out of the sky. Um, in, in the scriptures, it talks about uh, the angels ascending and descending uh, on a ladder uh, down, down and up. Um, and I, I wanted to focus more on the 
um, the downward direction of the angels in my painting coming down to earth because again that's where my inspiration really lives is is this confrontation or um, uh, just an interface between the divine and the mortal um, and uh, I wanted I wanted in this narrative to feel that the angels were bringing something down um, to to hum humankind um, and I, I, uh, my paintings often have a, a sort of a, a, a positive tilt to them. Uh, um, and I, I wanted to bring this idea that the angels were, were bringing something positive. And, and, and I went with sort of the blessings that they bring um, to humankind. And so all the angels in, in this painting are bringing something that's, that's a blessing to, to humanity. But the angels themselves, um, they're really... Um, they're us, you know, they're real people. Uh, they're not like the classical heavenly angels. They look like contemporary people. Um, they're di diverse like we are in the world uh, in their ages uh, in their ethnicities and in their attitudes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the things that they symbolize that they bring, uh, everything from uh, music and the arts uh, are represented, uh, mystery and adventure. Um, the journey of parenthood, uh, the wonder of childhood, uh, and even some of the literal things that uh, get talked about in the Bible, like um, uh, raiment and bread, just the things that sustain us and enable us to, to live are, are in the painting. So uh, it's, you know, it's my contemporary take on a very classical tradition of, uh, of these, these narratives, these, these very, um, uh, 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 mythological and scriptural narratives, uh, and, and I, you know, I still paint this way because um, I'm so passionate about that. My my biggest inspirations come from from deep within art history traditions, from the Renaissance, from from the Baroque period, uh, and I they've always been the things that have inspired me the most, and I want to keep doing them in a contemporary way, uh, and I want to see other people keep doing them, and. Um, and painting in some of the same traditions, same techniques that were used from those historic periods. And then we see them again in the 19th century. We see them um, even being brought back to life right now by all of the people that are in this show that, that uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited to, to get to, to exhibit alongside these people. Yeah, it, your, your painting on the show has an incredible quality. It feels very Baroque with a, the uh, sort of upward f movement of the figure sort of, uh, Rubens-esque almost in some ways um, and they are you do sense of motion both upward and downward but yeah I'm really happy about that because I the narrative you know says they move up and down yeah um, and I was I thought well I'm just gonna if they if they're coming down I'm just gonna focus on them coming down but I've heard from a couple of people they've they you know that it's sort of it can go either way so I'm, yeah. I was really happy to hear that there's you know and, and the, the figures you'd have to um, see it and it's hard to do on the radio but we can uh, at the end of the show we'll give you a, a connection to where people can go look at the images and this uh, Jacob's is it called Jacob's Ladder? Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. You know the most famous I guess Jacob's Dream is the painting that, that it calls to mind by Ribera which I, I've always loved that painting Jacob's yeah. Dream where you can see he barely paints a ladder in the background it's like a light ladder almost yeah or a cloud head, a cloudscape cloud. or something yeah yeah. And you see little figures going up and down, but it's more about the dreaming Jacob. 
Yeah, and that painting was definitely in there uh, in my influences. That just kind of the character of Jacob and his his pose on the ground is mm-hmm. you know pretty closely related to what I did in my painting. But I love Ribera. Yeah, I love Ribera. You have a uh, you have a figure playing a violin, an Asian woman. You have a fellow that I thought was Carl, a, a sort of bearded fellow uh, in the painting, uh, hitchhiking like a hitchhiker's guide to the universe kind of thing. He's like exactly. his, his thumb is out and it sort of leading skyward and your wife and a, a son. And so it's a, a beautiful combination of figures, obviously all uh, tenderly rendered in how you've painted them. And I love seeing the painting up close where you can see this bright color uh, going on in the flesh. You have a lot of very colorful flesh going on in, in all of the, the figures. Thanks, Bo. Yeah, great painting, thanks. Um, I think it'd be good to have a little another little music break before we, we continue on talking about the paintings in the show. So let's listen to Jacob's Ladder by Martin Simpson. WCUG and 96.3 Alm Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. We're here with the artists of Big Stories. I want to introduce uh, Patricia Watwood. Patricia, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your painting in the show, if you could. Give, it t- give us a little background on it and what it's about. And uh, at the end of the show, we'll give a link so people can go see it. Okay. Thank you. So my painting is called Music and Poetry. Um, and it's from a little while ago. It's um, a very classical painting. And I was really interested in the kind of principles of classicism at that time in terms of harmony and balance and composition, using design and intervals and construction to create this feeling of something that was very harmonious and beautiful and peaceful. So that was definitely like in my mind, thinking about the picture. What the picture is of is a, a black man who's seated and playing a recorder on a sort of long bed with a white woman who's reading a book of poetry. Um, and my, in my own work, I'm often looking at art history and even like tropes or the classical 
compositions of art history and then thinking about my own relationship to those paintings or how they connect to a current um, audience. And so the white woman on the bed very much, you know, is... Um, reflective of the classic odalisque from like Titian to Manet, you know, the, the beautiful white woman on the bed that's created by usually the male artist for, for the audience, the often affluent, you know, European white audience. Um, and then in the 19th century, there was this influence of Orientalism where we would get the exotic or the other, the dark figure, or other compositions like nymph and satyr, where the nymph was this like pale white figure, um, the ingenue, this you know representing beauty and innocence, and the satyr is this dark figure representing maybe animalistic nature and sexuality. And I, um, I wanted to kind of controvert all of those ideas. Um, and creating um, a composition where this dark-skinned, you know, the, the black man has very dark skin and the white woman has very pale skin. And then the composition is designed with like white behind the dark figure and dark behind the light figure so that it starts to create this kind of yin-yang composition where they're like opposite and very distinctly different, but very unified and harmonious. And so that's what I was thinking about in trying to um, create an image of, and um, an image of of harmony and beauty. And I I think in my own work, I also am, I'm always interested in how, how do we connect like the, the intelligent and the meaningful to the, to like to the beautiful and the sensual you know if you're I paint the nude I paint a lot of beautiful women and so getting you can't uh, you know uh, get aside from the idea that that, that's very sensual and beautiful and even sexual content Um, and I think there's been a lot of false purity in in European painting about the nude and instead I feel like moving forward I'd like to see a world in which all of those concepts of the body, the mind, the spirit, even sensuality, sexuality, um, diversity can in fact like continue to weave together. Yeah, I really admire your willingness to go right at the issue and to try to tackle it. Um, it's possible, I wonder now, if, if the um, political and racial um, implications are different than they might have been in 2000 when you painted it. It's very interesting because, um, yes, absolutely. Um, I, it's much more front of mind in conversation about who the artist is and what they're representing um, than when I was doing this at the time. I think even the conversations about how we identify um, you know, as the maker and then as the audience um, in representation, it wasn't even really part of the conversation. Um, I'm very conscious like of my, you know, I'm, I am a white woman yeah. in this society um, and become more and more aware of my own lens of privilege, of being able to say and do things that other people might not 
Um, and so I'm always just mindful of hopefully hitting the right note for a world that I want to see in the future, you know, but mm -hmm. trying to be mindful of my own place in that. Patricia, one of the things I think about your painting when I when I see it is that it reminds me in some regards of um, Bouguereau. Uh, you're mentioning sort of the satyrs and the nymphs. Some, and, but also it reminds me a little of Alma Tadema, Alma Tadema's paintings of the sort of lounging figures. Um, do, do you have a, was there a particular influence, uh, overriding influence that inspired the piece? I was, uh, at that time in my training, um, the way I was trained to paint was very much a French academic methodology. Um, and still to this day, in terms of the way I layer up my work, it, it's rooted in that French academic tradition. And um, Bouguereau, it's funny, you know, he, he's so beloved and he's so hated. You know, and the, I had teachers who loved him, and I had teachers who hated him, and I had, um, you know, would be strongly recommended to not follow that path. He's such a master with skin tone and high key work, and I've always loved that high key, and meaning like lighter values in the shadows, even lighter values in the lights, really creamy color in the skin tones. Um, and then still, and at that time, I'm often looking at the way the figure is designed so that whether it's the hands or the feet or the construction of the limbs, that it has that grace, that sort of French academic grace. Yeah. So I've always loved all those things. And then thinking about the theme of kind of Orientalist, then that goes right back to, to Bouguereau's Nymph and Seder and to Tadema. So yes, those, those kinds of models were very much what I was both looking at and then wanting to have a conversation about. Yeah, you've really channeled them. It's, it's a beautiful painting. Thank you. I think beauty is like this beautiful rhetorical tool. It draws people in. It makes people stop and pay attention to something and then you can get them to have a, hopefully a conversation about something embedded in the work. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, well, I think it's a good time for a music break. Let's take a music break. We'll hear, um, let's hear Concise by Rodelius and Tim Story.
was Concise by Rodilius and Tim Story from Lunds 3. I'm Bo Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House. We're here with the artists of Big Stories, the exhibition at the Bo Bartlett Center in Columbus, Georgia, and the artists are talking about their work. Michelle Dahl, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your painting in the exhibition. Yeah, um, I thought I'd just preface it by how I started painting this series of work. Um, I, I had been um, painting in the through the lens of a narrative that was um, about um, the painful experience of life, and um, I was really experiencing like uh, more and more pain as I was p- painting those sorts of narratives, and I made a conscious effort or a conscious decision um, to shift that narrative into focusing on what I really wanted to not only see but actually experience in my own um, reality and so I started um, uh, just really thinking about like the feeling of love and connection that um, if I could feel it within my own sensational body um, and if I could um, visualize it in my mind's eye that I could create that world um, into reality so um, I started working with models um, that were actual um, friends that were couples and um, uh, witnessing their love and connection in front of me and I would um, take that into my studio with me as a, um, a reverent uh, visual meditation on love and connection. And through the process of doing that, it's, it's really changed my whole life um, in very profound ways. Um, and so uh, the painting um, now in this show, I was... Um, it's, it's actually a, um, a commission portrait. And um, it's like one of those scenarios where the commission comes to me uh, that it's absolutely what I've wanted to do. You know, it's, I've already made those paintings in, um, so the uh, so it's not a commission that's outside the realm of what I would normally do anyway. So um, so I spend time with the family and um, through uh, living and um, like I'd wake up with them, I'd uh, and photograph them through their lives and witness how they interact, their personalities, um, how they um, experience each other. Um, this particular one, they. Um, they had this togetherness but like as children are moving and um uh restless there's this connection but everyone's in their own world so there's a love connection but there's a that um they're in their own minds and they're in in their own heads and there's a vibrational sort of energetic movement happening. Um, So I'm just trying to incorporate movement and um, what happens when people experience um, uh, bodies next to them and their loved ones next to them. Yeah, your paintings are very intimate, I think. You know, extremely intimate to the point of almost like, should we be embarrassed that we're actually like infringing on this intimacy? Mm -hmm. Uh, 
often couples in bed or families in bed. In this case, it's a husband, wife, and two children. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a this one has a little different quality than some of the previous ones in the fact that it feels like when there's like a time-lapsed photograph of a, someone sleeping, how they sort of flip to their side and flip on their back. And you'll, you, I've seen photos or videos of this before. And it, you get a little bit of sense of that in this painting because the people are in different positions at the same time. Yeah. The, their primary heads, but then the bodies and the limbs are sort of moving around a little, uh, but still highly, fully realized. Yeah. Uh, within the context of the painting. Um, I think there's a kind of almost subversive aspect to, to showing intimacy these days. Uh, it's almost like a taboo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, Mary Cassatt was, you know, famous for maybe um, representing love in a family or love for, for children. Mm-hmm. But now it's, uh, it's almost a difficult subject to approach, at least it feels like to me, mm-hmm. because it's uh, sort of, not what we expect from you know serious edgy art uh, but I think that your approach and the way you're doing it is uh, allowing us to experience it in a very real manner good that's that's you know? my intention yeah yeah and so I, I really uh, I, I really respect what you're doing I, I, I've tried to do some paintings over the last few years of sort of intimate situations and and often it's, it's easy to get blasted pretty quickly from people oh, yeah. Yeah. about trying to show you know love mm-hmm. in a painting yeah um, I think um, I think if it feels real um, I, I mean I you know it's it's it is definitely challenging um, painting about love but I I'm looking for the emotion that um, is connected with that and those emotions are really complex and um, there is um, a feeling at times of not only it's it can't be just a heightened I'm in love sort of feeling it there are um, there are feelings that like we appreciate those moments but you know that they're not going to last and so that you go move on with your life but that's those are the moments that we live for and there's a bittersweetness to that you know like you you experience in that moment you revel in it and then you know that you are going to move on with your day you know and hopefully get back to that moment again but um but I think um, to represent that in an authentic way is a challenge, and I'm definitely up for the challenge because it makes me feel um, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm connected to something greater and more and positive. Um, and yeah, I always feel like that if it's if it's hard, it's worth doing or yeah, worth trying. Exactly, and that's true for both subject matter and actually the way that you paint it. And, uh, representational painting is hard. Yeah, you know, to do a figurative painting is yeah. is hard. It's not easy. Yeah, and so therefore, it's worth trying. It's it's interesting. Interesting. I um, used to paint them a lot more loosely, and um, I I I felt like the more I was painting them, the more tangible and more real I wanted it to like really feel um, in in the skin and then in the flesh. And I thought, well, if I paint it more realistically, it would just actualize itself into 
you know, real life. Yeah, it's I, a visual manis- manifestation, if you will, or it, cre- creative visualization. Yeah. Interestingly, I think, you know, if it was erotic love or eros, it would be uh, more accessible, more like okay with people to, yes. to try to um, approach. But being familial love or mm-hmm. love, paternal love, it becomes like sort of strangely taboo. Yeah, know? it makes people feel nervous. Yeah. I, I get that a lot, you yeah. know. Um, I find that interesting. I think it's very telling of ourselves, you know, um, and uh, how intimacy can make us feel nervous or accept it or, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Michelle. Thanks so much. We'll, we'll uh, say a link at the end of the show so people can go try to find an image of, the, of your painting Thank in you. big stories. Thank you. Um, let's move on to Carl. Carl, uh, Carl Dobsky is here, and Carl has a, a, a great painting. A lot of the paintings in the show were done just for the show, which is really interesting, I think. They were well completed in time for the show, let's say that. Uh, both Noah's, Noah Buchanan's, and Michelle, yours, and Carl, yours as well. Uh, Patricia, yours is like 2000. Mine's from like 2000. A lot of the paintings are older. So, um, but it's a nice combination of, of work. And so Carl, you had just finished yours just before the show. I, I did. I actually, I actually had had the idea for it maybe for, I don't know how long, maybe a decade though. I've actually had this idea for a long time and just never um, knew, I just, I, maybe it was not the right moment to say it or to make it or whatever. And it just, so I never did it. Maybe I was afraid to make it. I don't, I don't really know. But then the show came along and I was like, Man, it's not. I felt like I'd had the idea for so long that if I didn't do it now, it would just fade away into the mm-hmm. nothingness. And I was like, this is sort of my last shot to really kind of feel this and really, really do it. The, pain, the painting is the blind leading the blind. Yeah, the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Um, and for me, that uh, the story obviously talks about how, how you know, through our. Um, lack of understanding or foolishness or, or, or whatever that we're going to um, follow other people who are equally as foolish and, and kind of fall down in the ditch and this big tragedy is going to happen. But um, for me, I, I guess I feel that um, we all are going to fall at some point and that the, the, that fall is sort of inevitable. And so what I thought what the real tragedy was is that even though we would fall, it's like, how do you get out? of that problem, how do you get out of that ditch? And then, because I'm not particularly religious, even though it's the theme actually is a very religious theme, I'm not very religious myself, and so living in this sort of secular world, I'm like, well, how do you get out of this if there's no, if we don't really know what the the truth is, the truth, or if it's all sort of relative, like how are we gonna get out of this mess? And and so I, I, I wanted to um, express that feeling right there, and and then um, of course, um, uh, for an artist, if you're thinking of the blind leading the blind, how do you not think of Bruegel's famous painting, right? So, um, so I, I, I uh, my idea was to take. Uh, Bruegel's painting is a starting point, but since I'm coming at it from a more secular place, I would just invert the whole thing. So rather than showing a fall, like, and like I said, I think like that's the inevitable part, like the getting out part is what I wanted to show. So I took the same diagonal, but then tried to show them getting out and things like instead of where the church steeple is in the composition, it's you know Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, Origin shooting into space and that kind of a thing. So that's, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. 
One of the things that is so delightful about your work is that you're working in this incredibly impressive, multi-figure, composed, um, meticulous way, but it is full of satire and humor, and that's always characteristic of your work, and I'd love to hear you talk just about that. I, well, I, I don't have a lot to say about that other than um, a lot of people tell me that, and I felt extremely self-conscious about that for a long time. Um, I've always wanted to be sort of the dark, angsty, deep, you know, artist that can touch people's souls, like that kind of a thing. And I'm just not that person. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they come off as, as very serious, but and and humor. There's humor in them at the same time, which I think is really hard to pull off. I, I love to try to do that myself, but I think you know, in yours, there's this. Uh, your tongue is sort of in your cheek at the same time that the paintings are serious. I'm just. It's really enjoyable. Thank you. I, I'm just sort of naturally sarcastic, <laughs> and I I can't. I can't not do it. Like I just, if you give me long enough to talk, I will start making ironical statements <laughs> and I just can't stop doing it. So especially in the creative stages of, of developing the work, the, um, like the sketches and things like that, like a lot of, I, I just sort of go with it. And, and so just like in my speaking patterns, as I make things, I can't help make like little jokes with myself. And, <laughs> and I felt, like I said, I felt really self-conscious about that for a long, 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 long time. Cause I felt like it, somehow comedy is not as serious as tragedy and so I have I have I still have mixed feelings about it but I've just had to sort of come to accept it that that's just that's just kind of who I am and I'm just gonna have to do that because I don't really have much of a choice <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great painting I love the painting uh, and yeah I'm so glad it's in the show and uh, you have some art historical references down in the foreground sort of in jokes for for people who are yeah. Paying close attention. Yeah, I um I actually so my my original idea was very simple in terms of what was going to be down at the bottom. I just wanted like debris and like detritus of kind of consumerist modern culture, secular culture, right? Um, product of the enlightenment kind of thing and uh, the industrial revolution, etc., etc., etc. And and then of course it comes down to to showtime where you have to actually figure out what like so my, my original sketches it's just like I work in the, all these weird abstract kind mm -hmm. of so it was just abstract squiggles and then all of a sudden you're like well now I have to actually figure out what this is and so I had I started doing little studies of trying to figure out like because all of the trash is composed and some of it is just made up out of my head just to so I get, okay, anyway I'm obsessive that way and um, and as I was on the left hand side of the the composition I wanted to have like a I was like oh maybe I'll have like a bicycle wheel mm -hmm. in there and I drew this bicycle wheel and all of a sudden I looked at it and I was like wow that really looks like a Deschamps ready-made and so I started laughing to myself I'm like oh right okay I could have like Andy Warhol's and I'll sneak the Mona Lisa in there and I'll have and I'll have and I wanted to have other things from other cultures so I've got like the statue of the Buddha and there's this African mask and I had even at one point wanted like a pinata or like the Aztec calendar thing I had all this and I, I took the pinata out because it looked so stupid but I <laughs> but, but um, it was just too much it was too much for me even I couldn't handle it so I took it out <laughs> but um but i so i did that and and at the time i had um i, I read a lot of, of of whatever poetry philosophy and stuff like that and i had um been reading a lot about wittgenstein and and the the, the art critic arthur danto had um taken a lot of arguments from Wittgenstein and his uh, arguments about what he calls indiscernibles where artworks are artworks by the fact of the 
cultural uh, sort of soup that they're in and not by any physical property that they have. Like that's, it's not the physical properties that make the artwork, it's the sort of surrounding um, uh, atmosphere. He calls it an atmosphere of, of that. And and I, I, and I sort, so as I'm drawing, I'm going, oh, and Deshaun, I'm thinking like, and he calls them indiscernibles. And so I'm going, oh, it's like indiscernible, like you can't see it, right? It's not there. So I'm like, and how, so how do you know if it's an artwork or not? Like, well, you, if, and if you can't see the cultural, how would you ever know? And so I thought it was just kind of funny to have artworks mixed in with cultural Detroit because how do you know what's the difference between them and right. and and so and I just felt that that was a nice subtext to the blind leading the blind right and so I could have I could have uh, you know art and te- tech sorry science and technology like the rocket but it's you know space tourism and then, and then you could also have you know obvious reference to consumerism but then it could also have another layer of art in there and then it's you know a reference to a specific painting etc etc so, so like like the brillo boxes by Andy Warhol could be both trash or a brillo exactly and and it, and it and it, it when I when I first started making the painting I mean the rocket I knew I had wanted and the the ditch and all of the the trash I knew but the the actual references to the artworks kind of came about through making the studies of the trash actually mm-hmm. yeah and it was I guess it was more like I was sitting there and I started laughing to myself because I'm like oh that look I didn't intentionally try to make it look like a Duchamp Brady made it first it just I just drew it I went like oh that looks like and I, and I just rolled with it you know and I was like oh, so it made me laugh and so I just kind of kept on doing it and I even right. felt like maybe I shouldn't have done it because I didn't want. Pe- I, I know that some people even last uh, at the at the at the reception were asking. So is this a comment about you know like you don't you dislike modern art or something? I was like, actually no. I actually really think I think Duchamp is hilarious. Yeah. And, um, Love Duchamp. And you know and so so but anyway so it's like um, it was more about the indiscernible thing rather than t- trying to take a dig at at yeah. um, any specific movement in art or whatever and and it is part of the cultural soup that we're all swimming in even though maybe we don't recognize it. I mean, is it art? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. That's where, that, that's, where, that's where it came from. I'm about to ramble this and say wonderful. something stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Well, what a great painting. Happy to, happy to have it in the show. It really, it's sort of the uh, funnest piece. It's right when we first come in and it's sort of I'm really honored to have that, by the way. That, yeah, that, I mean, wow. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think we can listen. Let's have a little more music, and then we'll come back on the other side. Let's listen to, um, hey, there's a song by Mumford & Sons called uh, Blind Leading the Blind. All right. All right, so let's, let's give a listen. Let's hear it.
Yeah. That was Blind Leading the Blind by Mumford and Sons. Woo. Oh, boy. This has been fun here on the Art House this morning with our Big Stories King. Oh, my God. Wait, who is this? Tim Tim Short What's coming happening? into the studio. Tim, What's welcome. What's happening? What's happening? Good people. Good, good people. Good morning. It's great to be here. Great to be here. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know, I set an alarm, and I don't know what happened to it. So, you know, I'm just, you know, I've been rushing all morning. So, you know. Glad you're here. Thanks. So good. So good to see your smiling face. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Tim Short from Columbus, Georgia, uh, following in the footsteps of Amy Sherald, who's also in the show. Yeah. Tim Short is. Uh, uh, where do you live now? Are you in Atlanta? Yeah. I, actually, I live in Stone Mountain, but I work out of Atlanta. Nice. So my uh, my studio is at Echo Contemporary. Yeah. Wonderful. And, um, yeah. New, beautiful space. Um, artist space as well as a gallery space. So. Um, you know, and just trying to take it one step at a time, you know. And you show uh, with Black Art in America, Najee Dorsey's. Yes, yes. Well, I love your piece in the show. It's a, right. a wonderful piece. Uh, there's some guys playing cards, but there's a context for it, which is larger than that. Can you tell us a little bit about that piece? Absolutely. It's really a personal, intimate piece. Um, it, I guess the reference for the piece is for a video I made in 2016, mm-hmm. um, late 2016, um, on my iPhone 5 so that it just to show how long ago that was but um it was shortly after my sister had passed I came down for Christmas and to just be with my family because it was just a really vulnerable time for all of us and um you know it was a rough heavy day and I went to a couple cousins house and um or my cousin Sarita's house in Phoenix City and when I went there, you know, it was just all smiles. It was just good energy. You know, they had, you know, brought the, you know, what, what they were sipping on out, you know. So <laughs> I was I was just in the space playing cards and, you know, just, you know, that's what I really needed from my family at that moment. And they lifted me up in that time. So um, just me being in, in the moment and just having a laugh, you know, my cousins were playing against each other and they were bidding um, during the space game. So they, it was a lot of you know talking across the table and the painting is actually called talking across the table mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to do that because they were just talking too much giving each other too much insight into what they each had in their hands and you know my other cousin on the opposing team was like y- y- y'all talking across the table now all right what you got so <laughs> you know it was like just a funny moment and we all laughing and stuff and i recorded that and you know um years later i revisited it and i was like wow this would make you know just a dope piece that I think a lot of people could relate to. So, so you made the you made the painting based on the video. Right, right. And that's I think it has a really strong spatial sense. Like the figures in the foreground are really close to you. Mm-hmm. Not quite out of focus, but it feels like it's racking focus into the middle of the, the table. Right. Across the table and right. crosstalk. And so it has a real spatial quality which I just really admire. It's, my paintings tend to be more sort of flat and tableau like and yours is just really uh, you're right there in the action as the viewer. Right, right. I really wanted the, to engage the viewer into like the atmosphere of the space space so um you know like you said like the big figures are really big and then it's like kind of you choosing where you know the 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 video people are even more spaced apart so you want them all to be Mm -hmm. more present in the painting and the painting is big but it's not big enough so you're like kind of just toying with you know um you know your proportions and your scale like we were talking about uh yesterday and you know i feel like you know for what it was it, it's really successful for me to be just like messing around with it and and you know i just i really love it so i'm glad 
you when, know, was getting when, the notoriety. When was the painting done? Last year. Okay. So it was like a rush getting it done. Yep. Yep. And um, just a beautiful painting. Thank you. Thank so, you so much. Honored, honored to have it in the show. Um, where can people see it? Can do you have a Instagram or something? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, what's your handle? If you want to connect with me, I'm at Cultured Struggle. That's cultured with the ed struggle on Instagram, and my website is timshortart.com. Right. Simple enough. So, you know, right. I you know connect with me. Uh, absolutely. Uh, go go and see Tim Short's uh, paintings, and let's go around and very quickly, if you don't mind, and let's let tell tell people where they can see uh, each other's works. So all listeners, you can go in and see the visuals for what we've been talking about on people's Instagram accounts. Carl, do you, Carl Dobsky. Yep, um, I'm just at Carl Carl Dobsky. <laughs> uh, I, is it an underscore? Maybe it's hold on. I've got. <laughs> it's Carl. I don't even know what it is. It's Carl underscore Dobsky. <laughs> C A R L. Yeah, C A R L D O B S K Y. Thank you, thank you. And Michelle? Yeah, um, I'm at Michelle Lynn Dahl. Um, M I C H E L L E L Y N N D O L L. I mean, dot, not dot .com, but no. <laughs> yeah. At, at yeah, yeah, Michelle yeah, Lindahl. Yeah. Patricia Watwood? I'm at Patricia Watwood uh, on Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook at Patricia Watwood Studio, and Watwood is W-A-T-W-O-O-D. Thanks. And I'm at Noah.Buchanan. That's the Instagram. And my website is NoahBuchananArt.com. Great. Thank you. I'm Bo Bartlett, the Bo Bartlett on Instagram, and whatever other all the other Twitters are. No, no, I'm not not on, not on Twitter anymore. I'm on uh, Threads, and uh, you can go to is it Bo Bartlett Center on uh, Instagram probably, and probably as well some of these paintings we posted there as well. So and you can also go to the website arthouseradio.com and hear past shows and see the playlist for today's show. Thank you all for listening. So glad that you're joining us on the Art House. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all of our guests for being here today. Thank you guys. You're awesome. Mm -hmm. Great painters. So honored to have you here in our little hamlet. Thank you Thank so you. much. It's been amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks for having us, Bo. Thanks. All right. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, Sho Irakawa, for producer, being producer, engineer extraordinaire. Thanks to the whole Art House team, Matthew Moon and Juliana Wells. See you right back here next week on the Art House. Love and light, y'all.